As we transition from that, let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. And Lord, we do experience your goodness every day that we live. Every breath we take is because of your goodness, your loving mercy. Because of our sin, we deserve punishment. We don't deserve life. But Lord, you graciously grant us life. And Lord, you have graciously granted us eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we honor you today, and we praise you. Now, Lord, as we come to this time of opening up your word and worshiping you through the preaching and and hearing of your word, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts, our ears to hear what you have for us today, Lord. Lord, let this message not be my message, but let it be your message to your people from your word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Looking at verses 27 through 34. 1 uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 34. And I believe that's in page 901 in the Pew Bible. 901 in the Pew Bible. If you don't have your Bible, you can join us there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or chapter 11, verses 27 through 34. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we participated together in the Lord's Supper. Now, did you know that participating in the Lord's Supper can be a, a dangerous thing to do? We don't think so much about it. I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we break the bread, we eat the bread, we, we take the the juice, and we don't think much about it, but Scripture tells us that participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner can be harmful to your health. It can be a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Now, this is a a curious notion. We have the Lord's Supper, which represents testifies to our eternal life in Christ because of his sacrificial death for us, yet it can be death to those who participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And today's text sounds that very warning for us. Today's sermon in a sentence, if you will, is this. Beware of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Beware of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's the point that Paul is trying to get across to this church in Corinth, and that is the message for us here today. And we should heed this warning, listen to this warning, and each time that we approach the Lord's table. We should ensure that we are approaching it not in an unworthy manner, but a worthy manner. So today as we look at this, we're going to learn two lessons from our text. First, 
we're going to see the consequences of unworthy participation in the Lord's Supper. And second, the cure for unworthy participation in the Lord's Supper. So the consequences and then the cure for, unwor for unworthy participation in the Lord's Supper. Now, just to kind of remind you where we are here in First Corinth, uh, Corinthians, we've been going through this chapter, this, this book of the New Testament for some time now. But just to remind you where we are, some of the Corinthians here in the, the church at Corinth that Paul is writing to, they are participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Uh, they are, are sinning against Christ. They are sinning against the church as they are participating in the Lord's Supper, and it's causing problems in the church. As we've worked through this book, we've seen there's the problem of factionalism that's there in the church. So there's those who are saying, I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. So, so there's these divisions in the church. Different factions in the church. There's sexual immorality and idolatry in the church. Imagine that. There's these sins in the church. And then finally, the, the, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, there's this socioeconomic division in the church. As they are coming to participate in the Lord's Supper, they have those who are uh, in the kind of upper echelon in society. They're, they're going on and they're eating and they're, they're having a good party, right? He's, he said some of you are getting drunk and others are going hungry. And so there's this division of socioeconomic class even within the church, and they are observing the Lord's Supper in this context, in this atmosphere, this atmosphere of division, this atmosphere of disunity. Paul says that's partaking in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And so Paul sounds that warning, that stern warning for his church, that church and for us today. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Starting in verse 27, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give direction when I come. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we look at our text this morning, the first lesson that we learn from our text this morning is the consequences of 
unworthy participation, the consequences of unworthy participation in the Lord's Supper. Now, what constitutes unworthy, this unworthy manner that Paul is talking about here? Well, as we've talked about already, for the Corinthians, it, it was participating in the Lord's Supper with this division in the church. There, there are those who are, are partaking of the Lord's Supper, and while they are doing it, they are humiliating this other class of Christians, right? The, these, these lower class, the, the poorer Christians in their mix, they are observing the Lord's Supper in such a way that they are humiliating them. Some are being exalted. Some are being treated like royalty. They're sitting at the main table. But then all the, the poor folks, those who are, are not high up on the social economic class rating system, right? They're, they're not high up. They are getting shoved to the back room and they're kind of getting fed the scraps. And so that's the context. That's, the, that's what this church, this Corinthian church is doing, along with the, the sexual immorality, the idolatry, all of these other things that are going on in this church. It's like this. For us, we, we, we might think of it like this. Anything that is in your life, any unrepentant sin that is in your life. If you're living in sin, now each and every one of us are sinners. We're going to sin every day. That's, that's a given. So I'm not talking about sinful perfection, right? We're not talking about perfection here. But if you're living in sin, open, unrepentant sin, and you just don't care, you don't care about your sin, and yet you still come to the Lord's table and partake in the Lord's table, you are coming in an unworthy manner. So any sin in your life, any unrepentant sin in your life, that you're just leaving there because I don't care if God likes it or not, if that's in your life and you partake of the Lord's table, if you partake in the, even in the community of the church, you are are partaking in an unworthy manner. And so that's what we are looking at. Uh, these Christians are living in open, unrepentant sin. And yet they're celebrating the Lord's Supper like no big deal. And so what's taking place here? As they, if you participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner... Paul says that you are guilty of defaming Christ. That's one of the consequences of, of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If you are participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you are guilty of defaming Christ. Look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Now think about that. When we come to the Lord's table, what are we, we doing? We are testifying to the world that we are participating in the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said back over there in, in chapter 10. 
chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. Because, actually, let me back up there. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? When we come to the Lord's table, when we come to the Lord's Supper and we, we're participating in the Lord's Supper, we're, we're partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper, we're, it's a testimony, it's a declaration to the world that we are in Christ. We belong to Christ. We're disciples of Christ. He died for us. He gave his life for us. And now we live in him. But when we come to the Lord's table with sin in our lives, open unrepentant sin in our lives then what we're saying is that that the blood of christ the body of christ that was broken for us all of that was for nothing it was no big deal sin's no big deal why did christ die his death was for not i mean that's what we're testifying to the world right when we allow sin to just pervade our lives and we, and we just live in sin and, and, and we have no big deal about sin, we, it, it, it doesn't bother us, we, we just go out here and the world sees us, we're, we're swindlers, right? We're, we're cheating and lying and doing whatever it takes to get ahead. But then we come in here and we act like a, a Christian. We put on our little halo on Sunday and we act like a good Christian. We defame the name of Christ. We say to, we say to the world that lying, cheating, and swindling is no big deal. It's no big deal. It wasn't worth Christ's death. It wasn't worth his blood. Christ thought that sin was a big deal. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we're proclaiming to the world that we are in Christ, then sin ought to be a big deal. It ought to be a big deal. It ought to hurt us when we sin. We ought to weep and mourn over our sin. Not enter into it so flippantly. But when we treat sin like it's no big deal, and yet we come into the church and, and we put on our little halos and we participate in the Lord's Supper and, and we, we act like Christians on Sunday but act like the devil Monday through Saturday, we defame the, the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. People look at you and they say, he's a Christian? I didn't think Christians acted like that. Boy, Jesus must not be much if his followers act like that. When you participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you are guilty of defaming the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10, verse 23, 29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has, has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. When you participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you defame the name of Jesus Christ. Second, second consequence of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner 
is this. You are exposed to God's discipline. When you participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, you expose yourself to God's discipline. Look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Anyone who eats and drinks, anyone who participates in the Lord's Supper without discerning the body, right? without examining yourself, without, without trying to, to, to weed out the sin, eats and drinks judgment on himself or herself. You open yourself up to the judgment of God, to the discipline of God. And at times, this this. Discipline can be very physical. It can be physical discipline. Look, notice verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here's this church. They're participating in the Lord's Supper, and, and Paul says that there's, there's, there's weakness in the church. There's sickness in the church. And some in the church have even died because they are participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Oh yeah, participating in the Lord's Supper can be dangerous if you're coming to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now we need to be clear here. Paul is speaking under the inspiration of God. And so he, he has a discernment that we don't have. And not every illness, not every sickness, not every death is connected to sin. Not a personal sin. We know that. Job, for instance. Job suffered. He was a, a righteous man. He was a, a pursuer of God. And God tested him. He allowed him to be brought down, brought low, right? He allowed disease to come into his life. He allowed his children to be, be killed in a storm. He, he allowed uh, everything that he owned to be taken away from him. And Job did not have a personal sin. That was not because Job sinned, and so God took it away. In fact, the book of Job makes that clear. That's what his friends were saying. Job, you've sinned. That's why all this has happened to you. And God came and said, no, it's not because of sin. It's because I'm God. I'm God. And I can test a person however I want to test a person. He ended up blessing Job. So every sickness that we have in our life is not a consequence of sin. Typically... Sins have their own consequences, don't they? Right? And, and it's from the sin that, that the judgment comes, that the discipline comes. For instance, if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, there's a, a, a consequence that comes with that. There's a built-in punishment, a built-in discipline that comes in that. You, you destroy your life with drugs and alcohol. If you commit adultery, there's a, a built-in punishment to that. You're going to break apart your family. And, and so usually that's how the, the punishment comes in. It's 
directly connected to the sin. The sin has its own consequences that end up being judgment or punishment upon us. But in this case, it seems that in some instances, when we're living in open, unrepentant sin and coming to the Lord's table, that God is, is using sickness and even death to discipline his church because they're living in sin and treating it like it's no big deal. So you need to understand that when you come to the Lord's table, it's not a flippant thing. It's not just something that we just got to go through the motion. This is serious business. We are proclaiming to the world that we're followers of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the Lord's table, we need to come with a, a pure heart. Be careful when you come to the Lord's table because it can be a dangerous matter. If you're coming in an unworthy manner, you can be exposing yourself to the discipline of God. James 5, chapter 16, there again, there seems to be this, this instance where James is writing to a people, to a church, and, and there's sickness in that church as well, and it all has to do with sin. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. We must be careful. We must work to, to rid our lives of sin. We must turn away from unrepentant sin, the life of sin, and turn to Christ. Now, we do need to understand that even in this, this is a grace of God, right? This is a grace of God. Even when he, he, he judges us as followers of Jesus Christ, when he judges us, it, it's not for condemnation's sake, but it's for discipline's sake. Verse 32, but when, we judge, but when we are judged by the Lord, that is we, the church, when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. We are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So let me just say, Christian, if you experience God's discipline on your life because of sin in your life, rejoice. Rejoice. Because that's God's love being poured out upon you. He is loving you like a loving father. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Praise God for his discipline in our lives. So if you are living in open, unrepentant sin, and think nothing of it, Think nothing of it. It's no big deal. And you continue to participate in the Lord's Supper as though nothing is wrong. Dear friend, you are defaming the name of Christ. And you are exposing yourself to God's discipline in your life. Beware.
beware. So there we see the consequences of unworthy participation. Now the second lesson that we see here in our text is the cure. The cure for unworthy participation in the Lord's Supper. And this is what we really need, right? We need to know the cure. Who is worthy of participation in the Lord's Supper? Who is worthy? Let's just ask that question. Who is worthy of participating in the Lord's Supper? Well, Psalm 15 says it well. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a, a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Who is worthy to partake of the Lord's table? He who comes in righteousness and purity of heart. Worthy participation in the Lord's Supper requires, first of all, honest examination. It requires honest examination. Look at verse 28. Let a person examine himself then and so eat and drink of the cup. Let a person examine himself. That's the imperative. That's the, the word of command in this text. Let a person examine himself. Let him examine himself. The word that Paul uses there, it means to make a critical examination of someone or someone to determine genuineness. To determine genuineness. So, so this self-examination is to look at our lives, right? We're, we're looking inward. It's an inward reflection. To determine our own genuineness. Lord, am I coming to you in a worthy manner? Lord, is there there's sin in my life that is defaming your name? Lord, is there something in my life that instead of bringing honor to you is, is defaming you and, and, and degrading your name? Look, look, Lord, reveal in me. Right? That's what David did, didn't he? He said, Lord, reveal. Reveal in me. If there's, if there's any sin in me, reveal it to me. Lord, I want to know it because I want to bring you honor and glory, not shame. There's this genuine examination of ourselves looking inward. Wanting to see sin. Wanting to find the, the, the black spots, the dark spots, so that we can work to get rid of them. There's a genuine self-examination and honest self-examination of ourselves. Examining our hearts, examining our lives to, to reveal sin. Maybe sin that we've developed a blind spot for. We have a tendency to do that, don't we? 
we think that well that's no big deal that's you know that's that's kind of that's not a big deal it's just a little thing it's not hurting anybody and, and so we kind of build this blind spot we just kind of section that off uh, that's kind of a personal thing and, and so we're just going to not think about that but an honest self-examination says all right where's the blind spots god show me the blind spots open my eyes to see the blind spots i want to get rid of the sin in my life and so honest self-examination is the cure for unworthy participation second genuine repentance genuine repentance you see once we we ex- have that self-examination and we identify sin then we've got to do something it's not enough just to say well there's that sin lord forgive me and and then just keep on right on in that sin you you see when we find that sin when we identify that sin in our lives then we've got to do something and that's where repentance comes in Look what Paul says there, verse 31, verse 31. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. If we judge ourselves truly, if we see that sin in our lives and we say, yes, there it is. There it is, Lord, there it is, There's that, that's sin. Be honest with ourselves, judge that truly. And then engage in genuine repentance. That's where he's getting, that's what he's getting to in verse 33 through 34. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you're hungry, let it, if, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Now we've seen in the previous verse, Paul says, when you're coming together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you that you partake in. For one person gets drunk and another goes hungry. And Paul's saying, repent. Take action. There's the sin. See the sin and turn away from it. Turn away from it. You, you've been boasting in this. You, you've been getting drunk over here and letting other people go hungry. Stop that. Quit doing that. Do the opposite of that. Come together as one body in Christ. Hey, if you're hungry, that's, that's all right. Go, go home and eat after service. Go home and eat. But when you come together, you're not thinking about your own belly here. You should be thinking about your fellow believers. You should be encouraging them, pouring into them. Uh, This should be a a unity, a unified body. There shouldn't be all this division. So repent, turn away from it. And that's what we have to have. If we're going to come to the Lord's table in a worthy manner, there has to be that that honest self-examination. And then once we we see the sin in our lives, we turn away from it. We've been doing this thing, but now we're going to do this thing. We're going to make it right. We're going to get that out of our lives. There's genuine repentance. Turning away from your sin. 
and turning to God and his way of life. If you're living in adultery, you have to break off that relationship. Break off that relationship and be reunited with your spouse and begin to build that relationship back up. If you're out here swindling people, you're, you're lying, cheating, stealing, doing whatever it takes to get ahead, then you turn away from that and you live in truth. Not dishonesty. If you're exalting yourself, boasting in who you are, built up in pride, you turn away from that pride and you humble yourself before Christ. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32, the Lord says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Dear Christian, examine your life. What sin do you see? Is there a habit of sin there? Now we all sin every day. We're all going to have our stumbles. But is there a habit of sin? Is there habitual sin in your life that you've kind of just turned a blind eye to? Identify that. Identify that. Ask God for forgiveness. And then turn away from that. Find a way to get that out of your life. We see a beautiful picture of this with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. The wee little man was he. But Zacchaeus, when he came to the Lord, he demonstrates wonderful repentance. He says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He was a tax collector who had defrauded people. And he says, whoever I've defrauded, I repent from that. And I'm going to restore that to them fourfold. You see, he identified the sin in his life. And when Jesus came into his life, that sin wouldn't do anymore. Living in sin wouldn't do anymore. Now he wants to exalt Christ and glorify Christ with his life. So he turns away from his sin. He gives his life to Christ. If you are to be worthy of participation, to participants in the Lord's Supper, not just in participating in the Lord's Supper, but participating in the body of Christ in general. That is participating in Christ's church. Then we must constantly give ourselves to self-examination and repentance. That should be an ongoing thing. Daily looking into our lives, introspection into our lives, Lord, Where's the sin? Where's the blind spots? Help me to overcome it. 
so that when we do come to the Lord's table, we come as worthy followers of Jesus Christ. Beware of participating in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Now, we need to understand that the goal is not sinless perfection. For none of us would ever be worthy to approach the Lord's table if it required sinless perfection. None of us would be worthy. So who is worthy? The Heidelberg Catechism gives an accurate description of a person who is worthy to approach the Lord's table. Question number 81 in the, the catechism reads, Who are to come unto the, Lord, unto the table of the Lord? Here's the answer. Those who are displeased with themselves for their sins, yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that their remaining infirmity is covered by the passion and death of Christ who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their life. But the impenitent and hypocrites eat and drink judgment to themselves. It's not sinless perfection that God is looking for. For only one was perfect. And that was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He lived in sinless perfection as the very Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a life that we could never live in obedience to the Father's will. And yet, though he was without sin, he went to Calvary's cross in our place. We deserve the death of a cursed person but Christ went in our place. He took on our condemnation. He took on our shame. He died for us. And he was raised again, showing that every ounce of sin had been paid for. And now he offers to us the gift of eternal life. For by God's grace, through faith in Christ, we gain eternal life in him. We gain his righteousness. Only in Jesus are we worthy to come to the table. But as we come, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should never come thinking little of sin. But we should have that desire to, to rid our lives of sin at every opportunity. Not to earn God's favor, but to glorify the name of Christ. To honor Him in the world who's looking at us. They're, they say, oh, he's a Christian. How does he live? She's a Christian. How does she live? Does he live in sin? Or are there some, some stumbles, but, but he gets back up and, and, and he, he's, he's trying to exalt Christ with his life? Well, how does he live? You see, when we come to the Lord's table, we come 
in a worthy manner. When we look at our lives, we examine our lives, we try our very best to get rid of the sin, not to, not to uh, uh, win favor with God, but to glorify the name of Christ whose body and blood we are participating in. So be warned, dear Christian. Whenever you come to the Lord's table, don't approach the table in a flippant manner. Take it seriously. This is, this is big business. This is serious business. We honor and testify to the world about Christ. So let us come to the table in a worthy manner, a, wor a, a manner that honors and glorifies God. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, then you can't approach the Lord's table because you're not participating in Him. And to be counted worthy before God, it's not in you. You can never do anything, say anything to be found worthy because you are a sinner deserving a condemnation. But by God's loving grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, God will count you worthy if you'll only turn to Jesus and trust in Him today. I ask you, will you trust in Him? Will you give your life over to Him? Turn away from your unbelief. That's step number one. Turn away from your unbelief and turn to Jesus. And he will save you. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, as your church, Lord, today we just want to repent of any time that we have ever approached your table in a flippant manner. We repent, O oh Lord, for ever treating the Lord's Supper like it was no big deal. Just something that we have to do every now and then. And Lord, we want to honor you each time that we participate in the Lord's Supper as it is a testimony of your sacrifice to us, for us, and our participation in you, we want to honor you. And Father God, I pray that we would never approach your table in an unworthy manner. But Lord, show us our sin. Help us to see our sin. And Lord, if there is unrepentant sin in our life? Is there active sin in our life? Lord, help us to see it. Help us to identify it. And give us the power to turn away from it. Lord, we want to honor you with our lives. And Lord, certainly there are those today either here in this place or our watching on live stream who've never trusted in Christ. Lord, I pray today that you would touch their hearts.
let them see Jesus. Let them turn to Jesus. Let them find life in Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.